On this episode of the podcast, we talk to Erin Atide about starting a career in sports casting and hosting, meeting Kobe Bryant for the first time, why trying to evolve in your craft is always about ego, and the one characteristic every successful person he's ever interviewed embodies. This is Adulting with Joyce Spring. <laughs> who you are okay. and what you've been doing in the past couple of years that you're working in broadcasting. Ooh. You were a radio jock for... I was a radio DJ in Magic for t- about 12 years. About 12 years. And you were doing uh, the late night show yes. for 10 years. Is that correct? Yes. I was doing the... Well, I, when I started out, I was um, doing the 12 midnight to 3 a.m. Uh-huh. I did that for, I think, about six years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we kind of changed the, the, the way that the time slots went. So I went from 10 p.m. to 2 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, yeah, I was Josh Strike then. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very confusing time in my life. <laughs> I didn't know... Because I was also doing my TV work at the same time. Yeah. So on TV, I was Aaron Ataide. Uh, when I got into the Magic 89 booth, uh, 89.9 booth, I immediately became Josh Strike. Were you doing sports casting already at that time? Yes. Okay. Uh, so the, the story with how I got into it all was I was a junior jock and I applied as well to be a courtside reporter for the UAP. Mm-hmm. And uh, within about a month and a half of each, um, I, became, uh, I became the courtside for Adamson University. Uh, I did not go to Adamson University, um, but I'm so thankful that the school was always so accommodating towards mm-hmm. me. And I became a DJ for Magic. And f- what for those that do know that I was a ju- I was a, a, I was Josh Strike. Something that a lot of, a lot of people know even more than that was for two weeks I was DJ Ron. What? Why were you DJ Ron? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I was DJ Ron. I don't know why they. Ang lakas maka VJ Greg nung DJ Ron. <laughs> That's so VJ Greg. Okay. Uh, I they they said okay we'll name you Ron because no one knows how to spell Aaron. We were still using the text line at the time, and they were yeah. like, okay, if we use the text line, nobody's gonna know how to type out your name. Yeah. So we'll we'll go with DJ Ron, and I was using it, and thank God for um, Mo Twister who said I don't care because I I think we were testing something on on air or something like he's like okay I don't care what they say uh-huh. I am the boss here you will not be DJ Ron. We will find something else. And this was all on air, this discussion. Oh, wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. So after that, uh, they were like, okay, we'll, we'll name you Josh Strike. And it was, it was from there, it was that. And it was so weird. To be completely honest, Josh Strike is not any better than DJ Ron. So I don't know how you, <laughs> I don't know why you feel like you had a, some An sort upgrade. of upgrade. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Because Ron was like, Ron. Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was too short. So, and I didn't want to use DJ Ron or anything like that. So when they said, okay, you're Josh Strike now, I kind of enjoyed that. Okay, but take us back to before radio, before magic, Ooh. before um, you started doing TV. What was it like growing up for you? Did you immediately think that you wanted to do sports casting and hosting? Uh, yes, it was always my dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always my dream to to be a sportscaster. Even, even when I was living in the States before I moved here, uh, I would have like cassette tapes of me pretending to commentate my brother playing basketball. Wow. And, and it was it would it would be like, okay, 
uh, oh, Tony goes for a shot, blah, blah, blah. I would pretend that I was doing it. How old were you when you were doing this? Five, six years old. Incredible. And, and it was funny because when we would pretend it would be halftime, I would introduce the music no during the way. halftime and pretend that I was a DJ. No yes, way. That was literally how I grew up. I grew oh. up wanting to do what I did for so long. Mm-hmm. And um, it was... I, it was something that I kept driving into my head and driving into my head. And I said I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to work for ESPN and I wanted to be a DJ or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when we moved back here to the Philippines, yeah. the the first thing my brother told, like, told my mom and my dad at the time was, oh, no, Aaron's never going to be able to do those kinds of things because we didn't know it was in the Philippines. Like, yeah. his dream is going to come to an end. Oh, no. And that's how much I kept... I, and I cherish that dream of mine and, mm-hmm. and wanting to make it into a reality. But th- luckily, because of all of that and uh, despite everything, uh, it actually led to me being able to do what I do now yeah. and live that dream because mm-hmm. of the fact that we moved here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're working now as a p- sportscaster, as a TV host. Yeah. You also do live events. Mm-hmm. And then you just finished doing your stint with Magic 89.9. Yes. And now you have your own podcast, right? Yes, I do. So it's always just kind of like a constant evolution to that. Was there any sort of preparation that you had to do before you became a radio jock? Because this is a question that I'd often get uh-huh. on the podcast or even on my Instagram page, they always ask, how do I start to become a host? Because being a host or a TV presenter wasn't a thing before, right? Like what you were saying, when you come to the Philippines, you'd think that that dream of yours isn't going to come into full fruition anymore because that's not a thing that that we do. But lo and behold, the digital age came and now everyone wants to be an influencer or a host or a radio jock or a TV presenter. What was the preparation for you like? Well, for me, the the biggest thing I think that um, that I did was I I wanted to be able to speak very clearly. Mm-hmm. I needed to make sure that uh, all of, of my diction, whether it was in English or in Tagalog, which now I'm still working on for obvious reasons, because <laughs> uh, it's very lackluster, mm-hmm. my Tagalog. But I, I always wanted to be able to talk very clearly because, it, I mean, if you are a host or whatever, people need to understand what you're saying, um, regardless of the language that you're using. Uh, but most of all, I think, like, I, for, for radio, it was different from, it, from what it was on, on sports, but I'll, I, I guess I'll start with radio. The one thing that I kind of had to, I guess, get over was... Because you know me, I, I'm a real introvert. Mm-hmm. Uh, people think that I'm extroverted, but I really am an introvert. Yeah. So when I had to really get out of my shell and really show my personality, the one, my, the personality that not a lot of people get to see uh, and really put it out there, which is very difficult for an introvert to do. Yeah. Um, I think that that was like one of the biggest things. Okay. Uh, and, and be okay with the fact that I'm an extra, now I'm an extroverted introvert. Because a lot of people... Um, kind of hide their personality mm-hmm. and they don't want to show that but if you want to get into this line of work you really have to yeah um, it's kind of a prerequisite it really it. is wait so how do you balance you know exploring and accepting your natural inclination towards being an introvert and then kind of stepping into this new phase of your life wherein I have to be an extrovert to thrive in the career that I've chosen uh, one well, when I was starting out, it was, okay, 
we gotta go like full extrovert. Like yeah, because that's all. But that I think for some people that's impossible exactly. to do. Exactly, and and at the same time, it's not natural. And it's so tiring. Yes. Yeah. And that's why both of us are the same way in terms of our social battery kind of <laughs> takes a hit every time that you have to put on that that uh, extrovertedness on, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Um, but. When I was starting out, it was just like, okay, we, we got to, you know, show that we are not introverted. We have to show that we have a big personality and we have to show all of these different parts of who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when it got to later on in my career, that's when I realized, and I think that this is something, the that, that advice that I would give uh, to people that are trying to get into this line of work. Um, yes, you have to be extroverted to some extent, but you have to stay true to who your personality really yeah. is. Um, I know that I am not as extroverted as a lot of people are, despite what people might think. I mean, mm-hmm. it really, it, I'm really not. Um, but at the same time, I, I need to make sure that I stay true to who I am. My personality is uh, I like my alone time. I like, you know, having conversations like this. Yeah. Um, this is kind of where my wheelhouse is, where it's one-on-one conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I enjoy interviews and stuff like that because I feel like that's where um, I connect more. Yeah. So I think you have to understand who your audience is. Mm-hmm. If your audience is 50,000 people and you're you know, a rock star and that's something that you're really good at, then that's it. But for me, it's, you know, I enjoy... And, and I guess that it was perfect because that's how I started radio, where I was alone. And yeah. Uh, I learned how to have conversations with myself and I still do until now. <laughs> um, and I think that that's really the way it is, that you balance out the, the way that you, the, the person that, and the personality that you have. That's true. And, and I feel like that's also a facet of professionalism, yes. right? Because there are a lot of people who are introverted and then they go into jobs that need, that require for them to be extroverted or at least to step out of their comfort zone and feel this discomfort of socializing with people and talking with clients, not even in TV, right? Um, And so it's part of your professionalism to actually put on that switch and face people and, 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 you know, kind of enjoy that discomfort of being in front of people, even if you're an introvert. And then like what you said, sometimes the battery just goes out and then you have your alone time. Yeah, And that's when you recharge. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. If there's anyone that's listening right now and it's like, oh, why is it, you know, why, why am I like that? Why, why do I need my alone time? I want to be able to hang out with all my friends and all that. No, that's fine. Yeah. That, uh, it's, it's sometimes it is um, tiring to be able to be putting out that extrovertedness and, and you know, showing that, your side of your, that side of your personality because mm-hmm. you're not used to it. Yeah. So if you need that alone time, take it enjoy it and then from there you know we'll s- and have your alone time after yeah it, I, I like what you said it's really about balance parang you give yourself deposit of yes. energy so you have your alone time you read your book you listen to music you love to do this Aaron Always. loves to listen to music go for a workout you have that alone time and then after you'll, you'll just realize now huh, now we have energy to face people yes. and interact with them so yes. yes go ahead No, and, and that, that's how it goes with, with work that's yeah. how we do our work mm-hmm. where you know, we are always out. We're always out in front of people. And, you know, people think sometimes that I'm, I guess I'm like snobby or something like that. No, it's really just, I, I, I don't, it's not in my, my works to, 
just be like, hi, everyone. <laughs> how are you doing? That's just not like how I am yeah. despite my work. And I, mm-hmm. I think that um, I, I guess it might rub some people the wrong way yeah. sometimes. But at the same time, that's just who I am. And I had to accept that. And I love that because sometimes you, you may give people discomfort or they might not like that part of who you are but if that's really who you are and you're honest about it as long as you're not deliberately hurting people I think that's totally fine right it's the same way that sometimes when I see someone in the mall malayo and then they're far away from me but I know who they are I am gonna deliberately try to avoid eye contact (laughs) because I don't have energy for chit chat or small talk while I'm having my alone time of doing groceries Uh and shopping and all of these things right for me it's just more of like I don't know if if uh I don't know if this person remembers who I am. I don't know if this person knows me or anything like that. Parts, you have the face that people can't forget. Yeah, but, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to feel like I know who people are. It's just yeah. like, hi. I'm really awkward. I really am awkward. I'm an awkward awkward turtle. Yeah, kind of an awkward turtle. But yeah. then you're thriving in an industry that doesn't yes. necessarily, you know. I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's kind of like I turn on a switch when I get to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I, I love my work. It's not like it's not like if I have to turn on my switch, it's uh, it's difficult for me or it's a task. You yeah. know? But it's I love my work. I love what I do. I love that I that this is the way that I mm-hmm. am. And you know, so far so good. And th- that's really a good point. When you put um, self acceptance, knowing what your weaknesses and your strengths are, with passion, wherein you're willing to sacrifice things for the things that you love, uh-huh. then that really goes into a a, a good combination of yes. things. Which is what you're saying. I'm introverted, but I try to be extroverted for something that I'm so passionate yes. and I love. So tell us about that. You you did radio for twelve years, mm-hmm. and then now you're doing sports casting, yes. TV hosting. What's that life? like uh i guess it's um interesting so Mm -hmm. to say i mean uh when it comes to to broadcasting and all that it's a world that is very different from anything else out there and uh, i mean i've i've had my own company before i worked at that you know i I, i've done events and all of that but when it comes to broadcasting um, it's very, very different uh, for for reasons that I really have no idea why. I mean, yeah. the the industry is is a certain way. I can't really explain it. Uh, you have to be in it to really understand, especially with the way that the landscape of of TV and and content is is right now. Uh, but I love the fact that um, I, to be completely honest, uh, the reason why I got into sports broadcasting was because. I wasn't good enough to play the sport. Mm-hmm. But you tried? Did you try to play basketball? I, I mean, I've tried so, for so long. And I knew that I was going to be watching it no matter what. Mm-hmm. So my rationale growing up was, if I'm not going to be able to play and I'm going to be watching it, somebody needs to pay me to watch this. <laughs> I need to make money from doing this. And that was it. And I was like, okay, I love music so for smart. so much. I love music and I listen to music nonstop. It's the soundtrack of my life. I need somebody to pay me to, to listen to music. And that's what I always tell people. It's okay to be fascinated and in love with Dota as long as you're the guy that makes the game better. Exactly. Right? If you're making money from it, then what, a, what up? That's the goal. It's always finding something that you love yes. and then finding out ways how do you make money off of it yes so the industry when it comes to sports is kind of like the industry when it comes to um when it comes to to being a radio dj Uh and i think that that's why i have the same kind of sentiment towards both of them 
you have to do it because you love it. Mm. Uh, I never, I didn't get into either of them because I wanted to be famous. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it because I wanted to have notoriety or anything like that. It was mainly because I love sports. Yeah. Um, I love telling stories. Mm -hmm. And I love the stories that come along with sports. And that's, I think that that's really where... Um, where I draw my inspiration and, and that's what it's like for me to work. Yeah. Um, whether it was working on Sports Center when it was, you know, when I was still on the desk, uh, it was always telling a story of what, it wasn't, okay, blah, 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 team won, blah, blah, blah. The, like, for instance, the Lakers uh, lost to Miami because I know that that's, Miami's the, the number one team on the show. Um, I had to In tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> I had to tell the story of how it happened, why mm. it happened. Um, you know, that's what I fell in love with. Yeah. And until this day, I always consider myself as a sports storyteller mm -hmm. or a storyteller period more than anything else. That's really good. And and I have to say also that Aaron is one of the best, if not the best interviewer that I know. He is just the type of person that does his research, but then he kind of, he puts it into the conversation in such a way that it really just sounds like you're telling a story. Thank you're you. asking your interviewee to tell a story. So tell us, um, what are some of the most interesting or who are some of the most interesting mm. people you've ever interviewed? You've done from musicians to celebrities to athletes. You've done the whole bout. Oh, man. Tell us, like, oh. your favorite stories from your interviews. Well, of course, the first one that will come to mind is when I interviewed Kobe. That's, like, obviously, you know, one of the... I, I interviewed him twice. What was that like, meeting Kobe Bryant? Oh, man. Uh, well, it was, it was amazing because he... He was so easy to interview. Mm -hmm. um, he was so well media trained, um, and the the best part I think that when when, when we had our conversations, uh, both time well, I had I I mean I don't want to say I know him or anything like that very well. We had about three conversations, three or four conversations, and the best part about interviewing him was that it felt like it was not an interview. Mm. And when I, when I first interviewed him, I was just starting, I think I was maybe about three or four years in, in maybe four or five years into the, into the whole business. And when I talked to him and he made it feel like we were having a conversation and everyone else was just listening. Yeah. That's when I was like, okay, I, I need to make all of my interviews this way. That's where you got it. Because it didn't feel like I was asking him questions so that he would answer for everyone. Mm. It was me and him having a conversation, like something like this, mm -hmm. and everyone else was just sitting there enjoying the conversation. Yeah. And that's where I was like, okay, from here on out, this is, this is the way that it needs to go. And yeah. I think he knew that I was young. Mm -hmm. He knew that I wasn't as experienced as I was hosting that event with Gino Rufino. And Gino was, you know... Of, Old. You, well, <laughs> we Gino love you, had, Gino. <laughs> yeah, Gino had some years on me mm -hmm. and years of experience. And I, he knew, and I think Kobe understood that. So he was kind of ringing me along, like, okay, this is how it's done. This is, and, and from there, that's how I was able to, you know, really grow in terms of being an interviewer. Was there any part of that conversation or that interview that has stuck with you throughout all these years? Um, if there was one bit of a conversation with, with Kobe that I had that was 
uh, that until now sticks out in my head was it was the it wasn't anything that was on stage. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything that was you know with a microphone or anything like that. It was right after the final tour that he had here, um, and that day I had well a couple days before that I had laryngitis. I could not. I had zero like voice whatsoever. I was walking around with with a whiteboard and I was writing down like things that I would want to say to people because I needed to save my voice for the event. And I interviewed him lunchtime for um, for the media and then at night it was the actual event. Which he hosted. We, yeah, which I hosted alone. And mm -hmm. I there was nobody else on on the floor, but it was just me and him. And I powered through it. And I, I powered through, got my, my voice, I threw every single part of my voice out. At the end of that event, there was nothing left, absolutely nothing left. And um, he came up to me afterwards. I wanted to see him one last time before he left. He came up to me and he said, yo, you mamba mentality that like, like crazy. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's like, Whatever it was that pulled you through that, keep that going until forever, bro. Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, okay, like that was all worth it. Like yeah. everything, I it, it until until this day, I remember it. I there, luckily enough, there was a there. One of my friends was right beside me, Banj Banj Albano, who said right behind me, he's like, dude, if anyone had questions, if that story ever happened, <laughs> I was right here. He said, he took a picture and everything, and, and oh. that has that is stuck with me until this day. And I remember you told me about that conversation yeah. right after. Um, I think we were partners already yes, when we you were. hosted yes, for that. We were. And so when I asked you about it, that was the story that you told me. And yes. and from that moment, I knew that it was something that was really important to you because yes. it's important the way that people are, especially legends, are yes. living legends are off camera yes. right and that's really some of the most interesting and most iconic moments that you'll share with them obviously and i mean there have been incredible interviews that i've had with uh with a lot of different people mm -hmm. um they're all fun and i you know what I, I can't honestly say that that there's an interview that you know was like out of nowhere that was so good because i always try to make sure that all my interviews are very much connected. Yeah. They're, they're, I feel like we are, con we're, we're, we're really friends talking. Mm -hmm. uh, one interview, though, that really sticks out in my head. Oh, my God. This is, oh, man, this is insane. Don't uh, say Dua Lipa. No, no, no. Sadly, <laughs> we, sadly, sadly, it's not her. Wait, I did I interview just, her. Yes. Though. Can I just say, though, that um, Aaron Ataida used to be, I don't know if you're still obsessed uh, with Dua Lipa, and you ended up interviewing her. Yeah, I did. Which is Crazy. Yeah, she, yeah, I did interview her. Okay, but that's not the interview that you were thinking about. No. What was it? Okay, so, oh man, I think that I think that this was one of my first real international. I think that this was my first real international uh, interview. Uh, it was a phone call that uh, I remember. CJ, uh, CJ, the DJ was the one that told me. It's like, okay, you're gonna interview uh, the bassist for Simple Plan. Okay. I was like, dude, I don't know like how to interview. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> He's like, they're going to call in your show. Okay. Um, and then um, from there, you have five minutes with him. Because that, that's how it is. For those that don't know, 
if there's a phone patch uh, interview with an international artist, they call in. There's this like a scheduled time, mm-hmm. and then from there you have your five minutes. They hang up the phone. They call the next radio station. It's like doing the tours. Yeah. So he was like, okay, your time is at eight thirty. I was doing the six to nine o'clock in the morning show on in Magic on the weekends. Okay. And he's like, he's gonna call in at eight thirty. The studio was still in Eastwood at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, like whatever. It's in the morning. You know, not that many people are gonna be listening anyway on a Saturday. If I mess it up, then I mess it up. Who yeah. cares? So he calls in. I was like, hello. Uh, like before we go on air, I was like, hello. He's like, hey man, um, uh, are uh, are you ready for the interview? And he's like, hello, hello, hello. And I was like, oh, oh goodness. I was like, uh, he's like, uh, dude, we got like five minutes. So um, if you want to go, I'll just talk on air. And I was like, huh? Hello? 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 He could not hear me. Wow. So I had to pretend no. that I was interviewing him <laughs> with him just talking. And I was like, okay, we got on now. Because when I, what the thing is, if whenever I would put it on air, he couldn't hear me. If I took it out, I, he could hear me. Ah. If, so if it was on the phone, so I was like, okay, dude, I'm just gonna ask like one question, and then I'm gonna put it on the air, and then just like Go. talk about your album and whatever. <laughs> He's like, okay, dude, whatever. So yeah, I asked the question both like into the mic and on the headset. I put the 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 phone on. And then I was just pretending like, oh, hey. Oh, oh my gosh. No. Yes, swear to God. Until this day, that, that <laughs> interview haunts me. So when we would do interviews on, when we were doing our show together, mm-hmm. that's why I was always so, like I had this, this, my anxiety was going crazy that everything had to be working before. Yeah, you prep we everything. Yes. Okay. That's why I'm so prepared <laughs> with, with how I do my interviews. It, I'm telling you, all of this, it just pull, pulls into an, a perfect storm of how this goes. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. that's how it is. No, but I, I mean, I think that also shows professionalism on both you and the bassist, yes. right? Because he just goes, yeah, sure, okay, I'll, I'll save your butt. Yeah. And I'll go on and start talking exactly. about he my album. Exactly, he could have easily been like, you know what, screw this, I can't do it, I'm done. Exactly. Um, so that, that's what I, I was thinking, like, I'm wondering, is there... Uh, a constant characteristic or trait that you see from all of the successful people that you interview? Because I feel like there is, yes. right? That certain level of grittiness, that certain level of... What, was, what is it? Uh, okay. If there was one thing that I think that all successful people, regardless of, of the field mm-hmm. or the people that I've interviewed and my friends that I look up to, like you, well, when it comes to being successful, is adaptability. Mm. If you cannot adapt, you if you don't evolve, you will be extinct. That is the way of the world. Yeah. And that is the way uh, th- that has been the way since the start of time. I mean, it's if you cannot evolve with who you are or or adapt to situations mm-hmm. and keep your cool, then that will be your that will be your downfall. I completely agree. That's amazing. Um, whenever I meet anybody who's successful or no matter how good they are at their work. 
they're so adaptable in that my dad used to say this when they talk to a guard or to the helper it's the same way that they talk to an executive yes. you know they adapt to these people no successful or incredible human being have i ever met that just goes ah i'm better than you no don't talk to me that way like no. it's adaptable yes. right mm -hmm. whether it is in a situation like for instance I mean, it's happened so many times. Like we're hosting an event and the mic goes out or something or they say stretch or all of these different things. You have to be able to adapt. Whether you are, um, you know, in, when it comes to like being, I don't know, a stockbroker. If things are changing, you have to be able to adapt and yeah. you need to see that. And that's where I think the people that I have interviewed, that has always been one of my like go-to questions. It's like when, when things go wrong, how do you, you know, stay on track and make sure that you are able to get things going in the right direction? And that's um, something that I hold near and dear to a lot of my friends. Um, and, you know, when my friends ask me as well, like, what do I need to do to be able to get better? That's the same thing I say. you got to mm -hmm. be able to adapt. Yeah. So you have adapted on so many different levels in the past <laughs> few years, right? Thank you. You've adapted from studying about communications yes. into actually doing communications, from watching basketball for free to actually getting paid for it. That um, was it right there. <laughs> that's the key to happiness. And now you're going into uh, your podcasting. Yes. Tell us more about that. Well, th see, the thing with, with my podcasting and... Which is called... Which is called Jump Through Hoops, yes. by the way. If you guys are looking for a nice basketball podcast, please do check it out. Um, I, I never, I did, I never thought of doing the podcast again because I wanted to like make money or get famous or anything like that. It was really, the conversation was, I wanted to have a con, I wanted to have a conversation with other people just one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. talking about basketball because yeah. I think that there's a lot of, um, I guess frustration mm -hmm. and, you want to be able to get it out there. You want to be able to have that conversation with people. Um, just the same way that people have conversations in their, you know, text groups and all that talking about basketball. I just wanted to record it. I just wanted to have more and more people um, on the show just yeah. talking about basketball. And you guessed um, Gino Rufino. You know, yes. you, you guessed fellow sportscasters. You also guessed basketball players. Yes. You guessed coaches. I guessed it... Um, uh, I've guested a, com a commission, the, the PBA commissioner on my show. Incredible. I've guested uh, like athletes and fellow sports broadcasters, because at the end of the day, <laughs> w the way that I wanted to build it was, I just wanted to have, I just wanted to talk about <laughs> about everything that I, I, you know, I'm talking about anyway. But I wanted it to be as unfiltered as possible. Okay, so Yunya, you you go into podcasting because you wanted to have conversations, right? But most of the time, I feel like people get scared kasi to do new things because uh -huh. they're so comfortable in doing the old things. Yes. So you've been hosting for 12 years, yes. probably more than that, on so many other platforms. And these are platforms that are always, that have always been there. Radio, TV, live events, right? But then podcasting is actually pretty new, at least here in the Philippines. How do you tune your mind into trying something new when you're so comfortable with what you have? Uh... I think that okay. I, I don't know if I don't know if this is on the on the nose or anything. But for me, I always think that trying something new is all about ego. 
Mm, tell us more about that. So are you saying you're egoistic? No, I I think that the, if you want to try something new, you have to put aside your ego. Ah, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Because when you do something new, you're going to suck at it. That's true. I can honestly say I am not... Uh, I can honestly say that I am not like really, really good at podcasting. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say that my show is like the best. I'm not even gonna say my show is good. It's pretty good. All I'm saying is that I do not mind sucking at something. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to try something new, don't be afraid to suck at something new because that's when you know you're gonna be good at something uh, later on. Uh, whatever you're comfortable at right now. Mm-hmm. Perfect example is you didn't start, you didn't, you were never, when you started out, you weren't good at walking. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we weren't good at walking when we started out, but look at us now. Yeah. Don't be afraid to try something new, mm-hmm. whether it is podcasting, whether it's putting up a YouTube channel, whether it's, you know, taking nice pictures or something like that and putting it on Instagram. Don't be afraid to try something new. Yeah. And that's how I look at, at what, how I started getting into podcasting mm-hmm. because... My understanding was, even if it sucks, so what? Yeah. What, what am I going to lose? And I feel like that's also one of the reasons why you're still relevant. Because you're never afraid of sucking at something. Yeah. And of, of failure. And if you want to be successful or if you want to continuously, as you said, innovate and you know succeed in what you're doing, you have to evolve. You have to adapt. You have to be able to accept within yourself that it's okay if I fail at this because at least I will have tried it. Yes. Right. I mean, I would rather fail and say that at least I tr- that, that I at least tried it than fail to try it. Mm-hmm. So if you were able to go back in time and talk to the person that you were 12 Ooh. years ago, 13, Ooh. 15 years ago, Ooh. what would be the one advice that you'd give Aaron? Get some sleep. <laughs> Get some sleep, dude. <laughs> Because you're, you're not going to have a lot uh, yeah. as it goes along. You're not going to have all of these hours of sleep. And at the same time, just keep pushing, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're at the start of it all, I, I mean, when I was getting into this, I was new at this. Yeah. And I, I will tell you, I sucked at this. I, mm-hmm. I sucked at hosting. I sucked at, um, you know, sports broadcasting. I sucked at radio. I sucked at writing when I was a, I mean, when I was a writer at the time. But as time went along, I mean, meeting people and uh, learning from my idols and, uh, you know, having my idols learn from me, mm-hmm. um, whatever it is that I, that I got into, if I was telling my, my 14, 15 year younger version of myself, it would just be, dude, it's going to be one hell of a ride. <laughs> Hang on, get some sleep and keep going. That's pretty good advice. And I think that's a perfect time to really wrap up this episode Aha. with Aaron Ataida. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I've never, I don't remember being interviewed on another <laughs> show. This is dope. Because you're the host and you're always the one exactly. doing the interviews. But it's great. I've learned so much from you in the past few years. And it's really nice to put together an episode where people can actually learn from you as well, from your experiences. Thank you for having me. Yes. And of course, Aaron will always be on the show. So if you like this episode, please do let us know. Give it a thumbs up and uh, give comments in the comment section below. If you are listening to the audio version of this, well, we are talking about the video version that you can find at Make the Right Choice. But in the meantime, 
Aaron, why don't you invite them to follow you? Yes, please check out uh, my social media accounts at, uh, there you go, on this one, uh, at Aaron Atayde on uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, please check out Jump Through Hoops on all your favorite podcast uh, the sites, whether whatever <laughs> it may be. Uh, and of course, continue to support uh, Adulting with Joyce. It's one of my favorite uh, podcasts uh, in the country, in the world. So wow. always make sure that you follow them. <laughs> that's pretty much it, you guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Paalam! And that's it for this episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, go to www.joyceking.com. And if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash adultingwithjoyspring. I'll talk to you guys soon. Paalam! Paalam!